interfering not, right? So that's one for every day of the year, okay? And it's not a coincidence. We are called as Christians to be the hope of the world, right? We've got the answer. The answer is Jesus, all right? So we're not called to like be afraid, all right? And I was so encouraged today. I was reading Matthew 13. Who is reading along the Gospels? Is anyone joining me? Or am I going by myself? Praise God for you guys. We are reading through the Gospels, right? I encourage you to join us. We're up to Matthew 13 and 14 today. And I was encouraged reading about Jesus preaching about the kingdom of God, right? And we might just go there, Matthew 13, 24. And he's preaching about the kingdom of heaven. So these are the words of Jesus. So Matthew 13, 24, very good. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you will root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. And he put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that the man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like le leaven, 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 that a woman, we're just going to say yeast. We say yeast these days. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast <laughs> that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened or yeasted. So the yeast went all the way through, right? Okay, I was just so excited. The kingdom of heaven by nature expands, it grows, it increases, no matter what's going on, right? So even though like the kingdom of heaven is like something that's planted, and even though there was weeds and it was all growing up together, guess what? The kingdom of God was still growing, still increasing. Okay? The kingdom of God was like a grain of mustard seed, a small little tiny thing. But what happens to it? It grows into the biggest of all garden plants. So the birds come and nest in it. Right? The kingdom increases. It grows. It expands. Okay? That little mustard seed. That's like, you can say, I've got that mustard seed. It's in my heart. It's like the faith that I have in Jesus. It's this tiny little thing. But guess what? It's going to increase. It's going to grow. It's going to go somewhere. 
church is here to restrain evil on the earth. And it's time for us to be very serious about praying. Okay? And in our country, we're heading for trouble. We are heading for serious trouble um, if we keep going in the direction we're going in terms of religious freedoms and, and godly values being upheld. Okay? We're not going in a good direction and it's going south very quickly, right? So remember um, when Awakening Australia was on a couple of years ago? Who remembers Awakening Australia, right? And um, they put out a call for Christians to set their alarms at 7 p.m. to pray for Awakening Australia. Okay, Chelsea Hagen yesterday, she is the pastor with Daniel Hagen of Fire Church on Sunny Coast in Brisbane. Okay, she's put the call out um, for Christians to set an alarm on their phone for 7 p.m. every night um, to be intentional to pray for our country. Okay, so I will be doing this. Okay, I will be setting an alarm on my phone to pray. It will go off every night. There will be some times when it's inconvenient, but I will stop and pray at that time to join with other Christians around the country to pray for our country intentionally. Okay, some things that we can pray for. I've got a list. Um, so Chelsea put this list up. Thank you, Chelsea Hagen. Okay, you can pray other things as well, but it's also important that we unite and pray together as the body of Christ. Okay, so we want to pray for repentance, turning wholeheartedly back to God, right? Pray people's eyes are open to the truth. Pray for exposure of evil. Pray for godly leaders to rise up. Pray for God's people to stand for such a time as this. Pray for a huge harvest of souls. Pray for the fire of the Holy Spirit to burn in people's hearts. Pray that saints would return to their first love fire. Pray against mandatory vaccines and passports and job loss. Pray for our political leaders to, to all have radical encounters with Jesus. Pray for abortion and euthanasia to be exposed and shut down. Rebuke the spirit of death and prophesy life. Okay, that's the beginning of the list. We can put that up on our church group chats and our prayer and chatter chats. But I strongly encourage you to join with us as a church community to pray. And when we're um, meeting again for our Tuesday night prayer meetings, we're having a break over the school holidays while people are away and just so people can rest and recharge. But when we're back, then we'll be praying about some of this together as a family, going after this in prayer. So I want to encourage you, set your alarms, pray. Christians, it's time to be awake. It's time to be wide awake. Okay? And partnering with what God wants to do. Amen? Third one. Spend time with God daily. This sounds like Everyone's like, yeah, of course. Spend time with God daily. Um, Jason prophesied over us on the final day of camp. You will not just be glory city by name, but glory city by nature. You will not just be glory city by name, but glory city by nature. Now, 
we know that Pastor Catherine often says this, that any word of prophecy is not an inevitability, but an invitation awaiting our response. Right? So it means that something can be prophesied over you, but we need to actively step into that. There's an action on our behalf to step into prophecy. Um, so my question to the Lord since camp has been, what does that even look like? What do we do to step into that? How do we not just be glory city by name, but glory city by nature? What, what does it look like? And the glory of God is the manifest presence of God. We get that right? The manifest presence of God, where you can see evidence of God, where you can feel Him, where you have a tangible experience with Him. Okay, where people are saved, healed, delivered, set free, where there's provision, where there's peace, joy, perfect love, where the goodness of God is on display. Okay, this is the glory of God. It encompasses all of those things. And that's the goal, right? Like we all as Christians, we deeply love God. Like we're not just here wasting our time. Like we love God. We know that He's real. And we want to see Him manifested in our world. Not just in our life, but in our friends, in our neighbours, in our, in our streets, like in our workplaces. We want to see God break out everywhere. Like, is that anyone else's dream? Does anyone else want to see that happen? Does anyone else want to see a city taken for Jesus? A region? Yeah, right? Um, and so my brain is like, God, oh, how, how do we step into this? What do we do? My brain is like, teach. We've got to teach good. We've got to, like, get some teaching. We've got to teach about healing, teach about deliverance. We've got to, like, set up some, like, encounter weekends and this and that. So I go into overdrive and the Holy Spirit is such a good teacher and he's like, I love that you're thinking about all that again, but I just want you to backtrack. Um, he was just like, you're disciples of Jesus. Jesus had this flowing out of his life effort, effortlessly, right? So he's like, you need to do what Jesus is doing.
alright? And in a book I've just finished reading, um, it's called, you might be interested, it was a really good book, I feel like it confirmed everything the Lord had been speaking to me earlier this year, um, but it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's a very good book, and in the book the author John, John Mark Comer says, and I quote, Corrie Ten Boom once said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. There's truth in that. Both sin and busyness cut off your connection to God, to other people, and even to your own soul. Who can relate to that? I think everyone could be like, oh yeah, I relate, I get it. Um, and I've found in my life the most contested thing in my life is my time with God. It is the thing that I have to guard so fiercely. So fiercely because it's so easy to just let it go, to be too busy, to be too tired or whatever. Alright? Because the devil knows that if I actually get alone with the God of the universe, if I actually take hold of the intimacy that Jesus purchased for me when he died on the cross, then he's in serious trouble because as I behold Jesus, I become like him. Okay, that's what happens when you spend time with him. You behold him, you become like him. As I abide in the vine, I bear much fruit. As I hear the voice of my Father, faith is birthed in my heart. Right? And experiencing increasing levels of the glory of God all starts in the place of intimacy. Let's look at Jesus. He's our example. A few little things. From the moment of baptism, that's where Jesus started modeling the normal Christian life. Okay, so he got baptized, brand new believer, right? So then he's like, this is what it looks like to be a Christian. Okay, so he's baptised, comes out the water, Holy Spirit descends on him, and then the Father speaks to him, and he says, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, right? Anyone who, like, the Father spoke out loud. It was audible, by the way. So everyone else could hear it. That's pretty amazing, right? If that had happened to me, if I had been baptised, Spirit descends in a way that people can see, like see with their eyes, and then the Father speaks from heaven. I'm so pleased with you. I would be like, ta-da, I have arrived. I'm going to go and do lots of ministry and see the kingdom established, right? You'd feel confident. But the Holy Spirit was like wilderness, 40 days. Right? So Jesus, this Mark 1, 12, the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan and he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. So before Jesus did any ministry, the Holy Spirit had him go into the wilderness to fast and pray for 40 days. That's our example, guys. Get alone with him. Okay, and then it made him strong enough to have a face-off with the devil and come away unscathed. Amen? Why? Because he'd been alone with the Father. 
right? So I feel like for some of you fighting off devils, if you feel like, oh, I'm just always in a war, be with Jesus. Fast and pray. Hear what he's got to say because he's got, he's got answers for you. Okay, and then if we continue reading in Mark, I'm not going to read it all for sake of time, but to paraphrase, he has an extraordinarily busy day. Okay, so he comes out of the wilderness. He's had, a, he's had 40 days of prayer and fasting and slaying the devil with the word of God, right? He comes out and he's like, right, first day of ministry. Guess what happens? He calls his disciples. He casts out an evil spirit. He heals Peter's mother-in-law. And then it says, and many others were healed and demons were cast out. Okay, that's all in one day. Huge day. Huge first day. You've just been fasting for 40 days and then that's your first day. Right? And then Mark 1, 35 says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Hang on a sec. He just spent 24 hours ago, he was in the desert still, almost. Like he'd just come out of the desert because he'd been there for 40 days, and he's done one full day. Any of us having a day like that would be like, I need a massage, to love, just recover from that huge day. But Jesus was like, no, up early, spending time with the Father. Right? Luke 5, 15 to 16. Oh, am I up to that? Yeah. But now even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places to pray. Jesus knows what it's like to have pressures and demands. He had crowds of people following him. Crowds, thousands and thousands. I think like we go like, oh God, you don't understand my life. Jesus had 5,000 men plus women plus children following him around, hordes and mobs of people. Imagine 15 to 20,000 people following you everywhere you go, getting with of where you're going next and running ahead to be there first. Like, we, like that's a, a fifth of Darwin. Imagine a fifth of Darwin following you around for your life and then you turn around and say to Jesus, oh, but you don't understand my life, I'm so busy. Like, no, actually he gets busy. He gets it. He had that life. But what did he do? He made time to withdraw and pray because that's where the power comes from. That's where clarity comes from. Right? That's where peace comes from. That's where supernatural joy comes from. That's where everything you need is in that place with God. Right? 6, 30 
a quiet place where they can be alone. Okay, so Jesus gets demands. He gets being so busy that you don't have time to eat. And all the mums are like, amen, I'm glad he gets that because I do not get to eat. Like he gets that, right? But his, his response was, come away with me and rest a while. Sometimes my time with the Lord doesn't look like me studying the word and like praying in tongues and like whatever. Sometimes it looks like sitting in a hammock and just being like, oh, Father, what are you saying right now? I just want to hear your voice. Do you know what I mean? Let's not box it into this dry, crusty time. Like time with the Lord is not dry and crusty. It should refresh your soul, right? Praise the Lord. Matthew 14, 23. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Luke 9, 18. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. Luke 11, 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Mark 14, 32, and they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to, to his disciples, sit here while I pray. Okay, what was the, the way of Jesus? It was like pray, withdraw. It like, he got so much done. He was very fruitful. In fact, he completed his, his ministry, what the Father told him to do in like two and a half years.
For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished. Imagine a group of Christians that just did what the Father was doing. Because that's what Jesus did. That's how he lived his life. I dare say we wouldn't be experiencing burnout. I dare say we wouldn't be doing things that aren't fruitful. We just do what the Father's doing. So for this holiday period, I know it's already started, and I was planning to preach the bulk of this last week, um, but I feel an invitation from the Father to just reset and make sure that individually we are in a rhythm of spending time with him so we can sustain a life marked by seeing the glory of God manifest. Amen? So practically, just do, do a little audit. Ask some questions. Do I spend time with God every day? This is not a condemnation thing. This is not a like a law thing. But it's just, I'm asking some questions. And then you go to home with the Lord and you work out what it looks like. I'm not going to prescribe what it should look like. Okay? It grows and it changes because it's a relationship with the living, with the living God. Right? Okay. Little order. Do I spend time with God every day? Am I engaging in dialogue with the Lord? That's a two-way conversation. Okay? That's I talk, I listen. He talks, I talk back. Asking questions, he answers. He asks me questions, I answer. Right? It's like conversational. Do I engage in conversation with the Lord? Am I learning to experience his presence in any given moment? He's not just there when you go into your room and shut the door. Okay, you can experience him in any given moment. Learn to tap into that. Any every wherever you are, learn to just stop and, and remind yourself, I am one spirit with the Lord. Like he's with me right now. Learn to encounter his presence. Learn to ask him questions when you're at the shops. Like hone your ear to his voice. Don't fill up every single moment of the day with podcasts and worship music. That's great, great, great. It's awesome. But tune your ear to the voice of the Father. Amen? Yeah. Um, can I join my church family and read along in the Gospels over the holidays? Yes, you can. <laughs> can I make a note of how Jesus lived his life so I can actually follow him? Like, who are you following? Is it Jesus or are you following someone else? Follow Jesus, right? Do I want to grow and learn to make this a way of life? Withdrawing to pray with and be with God. Okay? It's not a, I have to do this, far out. It's not a religious duty. It's a, I get to do this. In his presence is fullness of joy. If you're lacking joy, it's found in his presence, right? Jesus is the Prince of Peace. If you're lacking peace, it's found in the person of Jesus. Holy Spirit is my comforter. 
why wouldn't I want to go to him with questions and, and for everything that I need? Right? The love of God overtakes me sometimes when I'm in the secret place. Who doesn't want the love of God being poured into your life? Like we all want that. Does everyone want that? Does everyone want to experience the tangible love of God being poured into your life? Yes, amen. So like be hungry and expectant when you go into your room and close the door. He will meet with you. And, and just like nick off all those lies because the devil will try and make you believe that you're wasting your time and then he's not going to be there. But I promise you, press in, press in, press in. Press in. And if it ever feels dry and crusty, you know those times when it's just like, I don't feel you, God. I don't feel like you're here. I just remind myself. What's the truth? God is with me. Nothing will separate me from his love. I can't be in truth when, I, when it feels dry and crusty. Okay? And then I remind my soul to wait on the Lord. Okay? And, and in Psalm 5 verse 3 style, at each and every sunrise you will hear my voice as I prepare my sacrifice of prayer to you. Every morning I lay out the pieces of my life on the altar and wait for your fire to fall upon my heart. Every day. Um, and I just feel like before we launch into any other teaching, any other like glory, praise God, we're going to be known as Glory City, not just by name but by nature, right? But we need to get this first. And I know for some of you, you're like, yes, I do this. This is awesome. Be encouraged. Like, keep doing it. There's more. There's more. There's more. And I feel like um, if, if you don't spend time with God every day, this is not a like, condemnation. It's an invitation. And you don't have to. It doesn't have to be hours and hours to start with. It's a relationship. And he'll guide you if you ask him. Amen? You know, when I first started, it was like 10, 15 minutes. I feel like I had the, like, I would get so distracted. So distracted. And now, like, oh, I struggle keeping it an hour and a half. Struggle. Because it's rich. It's such a rich time. And I'm just like, oh, I can't get off and you <laughs> It's an invitation, just a fresh invitation to, to just journey that through with the Lord. Praise the Lord. Can I read you just that book that I mentioned? So we didn't with this. He has a whole chapter just talking about spending time with God. Um, and he ends that chapter by saying, I'm just quoting the book now, 
I say we bring back the quiet time. Rocket it like it's 1999. Here's to tomorrow morning, six o'clock. Coffee. The chair by the window, the window by the tree. Time to breathe. A psalm and a story from the Gospels. Hearing the Father's voice. Pouring out my own. Or just sitting, resting. Maybe I'll hear a word from God that will alter my destiny. Maybe I'll just process my anger over something that's bothering me. I'll stop quoting, yes, you can do that. It's a great space to process stuff. And then you don't end up processing it over someone else. Praise God. Um, I'll keep quoting now, sorry. Maybe I'll feel my mind settle like untouched water. Maybe my mind will ricochet from thought to thought and never come to rest. If so, that's fine. I'll be back same time tomorrow, starting my day in the quiet place. You. Um, oh, I just feel I just feel his heart. He he gave his son so that we can know him. And not just go through some religious duty. He gave his son so that you can hear his voice and so that he can father you and lead you. Oh, it's beautiful. I feel like to end, I would just love to break off into a few small groups and we just want to pray for one another. We want to bless one another. Um, if you have um, anything that needs prayer, like we are the saints, we're the priesthood of all believers, and we will pray for one another and see the Lord heal things. Amen? Um, if you are like, do you know what? I struggle to spend time with God. Come to my group, because I just want to pray for you. I want to like bless you, and I want to just support you in that. Um, it's not a shame thing. Like, we're talking about this because our church is not going to step into that glory space unless we're all, like, burning with the Lord ourselves. Does that make sense? Because we're called to go somewhere together as a family. It's not just called one or two people who 